need an outline or would like one, raise your hand. I think we have some there in the back. We are going through the book of Galatians, verse by verse. And uh, we're looking here at the message that Paul wrote under the influence of the Holy Spirit to the churches of Galatia, modern-day Turkey. It's amazing how up-to-date the Bible is. And, of course, uh, there are very few Christians in modern-day Turkey in this area, especially where uh, Galatia was, where these churches were. But as he was giving the introduction, we've taken the theme for our study there from verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. You know, your relationship with God, your faith, is supposed to do something. Uh, I often use the example of a car. Uh, some of my family is, uh, my family actually is from central Pennsylvania. And uh, more often than not, I think of my uh, grandmother's place there where actually her mother and father uh, had the place, had a dairy on it. And I will tell you that you will find, if, if you went out there with a the metal detector, you'll find farm tractors and VW uh, beetles that uh, date from the 50s up until about the uh, early 80s. And they just, when it died, they just buried it on the farm. And uh, uh, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. When it stops running, you're supposed to get rid of it. And yet, faith is always treated differently. People go to church and they do all the things that they're supposed to do. And their faith has not done a thing for them. It gives them not one hope of eternity. It doesn't do anything for them. And yet, if you pass out a gospel track on the street, oh, I'm okay, I'm a Catholic. Or, I'm okay, I'm this. Or, I'm Muslim, I don't need that. I had a lady one time, we were passing out tracks in Jackson Heights, and she said, this is an Islamic community. You shouldn't pass that out here. She said that to the wrong person. I said, excuse me. I said, this is the United States of America. Would you like a gospel tract? She said, I told you, uh, I'm Islamic. I don't need... I said, no, you do need one of these. And we're going to pass them out and keep passing them out because this is a country that believes in religious freedom. Uh, I'll tell you, your faith ought to work. And by the way, if your faith is so fragile that you have to defend it with a gun or a sword or some kind of violence, what kind of faith is it? I mean, we just sang that song, some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. I mean, that's the history of the Christian church. Your, your faith ought to do something. And we've been preaching about faith on Sunday mornings uh, the last uh, several months, actually. 
uh, and not a specific series, but but just uh, uh, the the theme of the messages have all done that. Your faith is got, has one goal in mind, and it is the theme of the book of Galatians. It is to deliver us from this present evil world. It is to bring us through this world and through all the mess and through all the lies, keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. Now, the Galatians had a problem. They were moving. And Paul just really, I mean, you can tell that he is wound up about this. He gets through the introduction, to whom be glory forever and ever. And he goes, I marvel. He says, I can't believe it. You've moved to a different gospel, but there is no such thing as a different gospel. And we got we just finished up Lord uh, last Thursday night on uh, chapter two, where uh, Paul goes through and explains how the gospel works. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live, I live by the faith of. The faith does not belong to you. That's one of our pet peeves with TVN and the uh, name it and claim it crowd is, is they talk about faith as being something that resides in you. No, faith is something that resides in this book. And if you'll get this book in you, you can have faith in you. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Paul is explaining to them that the life that we live is not our life. It is not our works. And now we might say that Paul is going to shift into high gear. I mean, if you thought he was upset in giving his history here and explaining this whole thing, now uh, he is, is going to... Uh, uh, raise the uh, volume another level. He is going to raise the emphasis here. And, and he starts out in verse 1 of chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, now, look at verse 2. I mean, he's, he's not even hardly taking a breath here. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And we'll stop there. But I have tried, but I hope you can hear 
the invective in Paul's voice. I mean, he is, uh, he is boiling over uh, twice. He calls them foolish. And, and you have to understand that uh, that was not just uh, today the word foolish. We go, oh, that, that was foolish. That's a bad thing. No, the word foolish. Do you remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, if you call your brother a name, Raka, like stupid idiot or worthless base fellow, he says you'll be in danger of the judgment that other people are going to judge you. But if you, call, if you say, thou fool, he says you're in danger of hellfire. I mean, this was not something to be lightly bandied about. This was... Uh, uh, a, a most serious and and very harsh thing that Paul was saying, and he calls them foolish. So we have two things that are going on here. The second phrase is, Who hath bewitched you? Now, if you're old enough, you may remember a stupid television show called Bewitched. And... Uh, uh, if you do, uh, the altar's open. You can get right afterwards. I took care of it before I preached tonight. Amen. Uh, but uh, they, uh, it was all about a witch who did all of these things. And so the first thing we think of in modern uh, English when we hear the word bewitched is we think of witchcraft. But if you just take the meaning of the word, it means to fascinate someone, to hold their attention. How many of you have ever seen, uh, I, I have it in person, but I, I've seen people talk about hypnotism and all of that. That comes uh, from someone who actually controls your conscious mind. It's a, it's a very dangerous thing. It's not a party game. If you're ever somewhere and they start that kind of stuff and said, oh, no, this is just fun, uh-uh, stay away from it. It's, it's not, it is giving your conscious mind to someone else's control. You should not do that. That's what the word bewitch means. It means to control your thought process. What the hypnotist will do is he will get you thinking about something, often a pendant or, or a, a crystal or something that he swings in front of you. And what he's doing is he's getting all of your attention there so that he can do things that you're not paying attention to. And uh, what we have, uh, this is a trick. It's often used by politicians, is it not? <laughs> they want to get all of your attention in one direction while they're doing the dirty nasty over here. And you need to pray for our country. We are on the verge of doing a very, very evil thing in approving this Iran deal. And uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, but you, you need to pray. Uh, there are still ways to stop it. I don't think it's been a done deal yet, but they're trying awful hard. And what do they do? Same thing. This idea of bewitching. It was some person 
that was doing things in the church to take attention from the Lord Jesus Christ, from the truth that they already had. Do you remember what, what Paul said? And well, Just turn back to chapter 1. Let's just touch on it very briefly here. It's the context of what we're talking here. In verse 7, he says, which is not another. Verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, because there is no other gospel. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He said, there's people in your church that are trying to get your attention. They're trying to change the gospel. And once you do that, you no longer have it. I mean... Everything is new and enhanced, right? Uh, I mean, everything has got to be a little better than the last one. Uh, You know, that doesn't always work. How many of you have ever had a good story, a true happening, and you just kind of embellished it a little bit? And added a little detail here or a little detail there until the fact and all of a sudden it's not a true story anymore. You know, I remember reading something and said and I learned when something says based on a true story, guess what? That means it's not necessarily a true story. And that the people in the story didn't, uh, never really existed. In fact, what they've done is taken a, usually is they'll find five or six boring people's lives and take little exciting parts out of it and make one super exciting life for the uh, story. Well, the thing is, that person never existed. Now, everything Joe Friday did actually happened in the Los Angeles Police Department. But it was a hundred officers, if you've ever listened to the old radio shows. It was probably a hundred different officers over 50 years of history that actually accomplished all the details that they put into that radio program. Or later on, I think it was a television series. And uh, the, 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 the truth of the matter is... Once you knew and improved the truth, you're really not dealing with truth anymore, are you? And so what we have here in the church, now this is going on in the Galatian church, we have foolishness, and we have people, some, that are Bewitching, fascinating, taking attention and thought consuming thought process so that they're no longer believing or practicing the gospel. And it is sometimes the difference between truth and error is so very small, it's hard to see. Has anybody ever had that happen? I mean, 
you're just this far off. If you've ever gone hiking in the woods without a trail, you have to have a compass. And and you take what is called azimuth, a, a reading on that compass. But if you do not take into account the deviation on the difference between the magnetic north and the true north that's depicted on your map, you can be in an awful lot of trouble. In fact, how many of you remember the story of Amelia Earhart, the missing air, uh, lady pilot? The best people that understand what happened, they were flying over the clouds. They may have gotten into a place where their compass was not reading correctly. That does happen from time to time. But even just a few degrees off when you're flying a thousand miles and you'll completely miss land and end up out over the open water somewhere. It's a dangerous thing to play with truth. And that's why Paul says, listen, I want you to, uh, I want you to understand something, Galatian people. What you are doing is foolish. Foolishness is the area, the, the propriety, the thing that fools do. I've, I've never have gotten this. Uh, several years ago, I saw some guy walking down the street with a little ponytail hanging out. And uh, somebody said, I said, what? what I'm starting to see that. What is that? Oh, you don't know? That's a fool's tale. And I said, oh, I guess maybe there is a little truth in advertising, huh? Uh, I, people wear those things. Why would you wear something called a fool's tale? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. Number one, it's not masculine, but number two, why would you why would you want that? If you are a foolish person, don't advertise it. Read the book of Proverbs. And the best way you can do that is keep your mouth shut. Uh, uh, don't uh, open it up and remove all doubt. And Paul is saying, listen, how in the world? Here's what's happening. That you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Now, here's an idea here. And this is what we're talking about. Your faith ought to be doing something. What is that something your faith ought to be doing? Delivering you from this present evil world. That's what your faith ought to be doing. You know, there's an awful lot of bad stuff that happens in this present evil world, isn't there? There's an awful lot of sorrow and suffering that we have to face. When you have to walk to the cemetery, 
Is your faith going to deliver you from the grief? It ought to. Especially if the person you're burying is saved. You have the hope of seeing them again. The Bible tells us we're not to grieve as others grieve. Because our faith has conquered what is in this world. When we have problems with other people. And there's only one way you're going to have problems with other people. And that's live. Isn't that right? And the Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. And certainly there is no shortage of that, is there? How are you going to deal with it? The answer is faith. Because your faith ought to make you do what the Bible says. And if your faith isn't making you do what the Bible says, then your faith is broken. Or you're engaged in foolishness. The definition of insanity, one of them, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Now, how many of you have ever put some, lost something and you said, I know it's in this drawer. And you look through that drawer and you can't find it. And so you look everywhere else and you say, you know, it's probably in this drawer. And you look in that drawer and there it is. Has anybody else ever had that happen? You see, we, we need to be careful. But if we're not doing the things that Jesus told us to do, we're going to be in trouble. We might, and I put the reference in here for you to look up later, when Jesus wrote the letter through the Apostle John to the church at Ephesus, He said, you have left your first love. What did he say? I want you to repent and do the first works. The Christian life is not a complicated thing. It's not this huge list of do's and don'ts. Uh, Some of you will remember old karma was here for about six or eight months and tried to learn all he could about Christianity and and tried to witness the karma while he was doing that. But one thing I'll tell you I found out about his Buddhist faith is it is incredibly layered and complex. And the farther up you go, the more complex and the more layers there are to it. And, And it becomes this intricate maze that no one can navigate Whatsoever, and that's where they get the idea of karma. That's what makes you go through and advance to the different layers of, uh, of uh, ability and, and uh, initiate into the mysteries. And, of course, all of these things were known, though Buddhism as a religion was not necessarily known to the Galatians. There were things that were very close to it. Because that's always man's idea. In fact, I've got books on my shelf 
that try to explain the Bible in such complex terms that, that uh, I have no clue what part of the Bible they're even talking about except for the fact that the reference is in the, in the thing there. I, I don't like commentaries like that. The Bible is not a complicated book, my friend. Christianity is not uh, this incredible thing that only a few people can attain to. Paul told the Galatians in chapter 1, you already have everything you need. He said, if we change it, let him be accursed. If an angel shows up and tries to change it, if we preach anything to else to you than that which ye have already received, he says, let him be accursed. And now he's telling the Galatians, this is what you're doing. You're not obeying the simplicity, the truth. Everything about the Christian life is connected to one thing. Those words right there on the back. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he was on the cross, he said, It is finished. Are you looking for something more? Well, let me tell you something. People often say, if you study the Bible too much, it'll make you crazy. No. I've I've never met anyone who studied the Bible too much and it made him crazy. I uh, never, never have met that person. But every crazy person that I've ever met carrying a Bible always had somebody else's book with them. They'd always read something else. You see, that's where the bewitching was coming in. Well, don't you know that this book here will help you understand the Bible? It it will give you more instruction than you could ever imagine. It will make the Bible so plain. Uh, No, it won't. You want a book that will make the Bible plain, my friend? Use this one. You want a commentary on the Bible. You want the Bible to explain to you. Let the Bible do it. It's right here. You see, the Galatians had changed. Why? Because they were being foolish, number one. Number two, they had taken their eyes off Christ and they'd put it on other things. We're going to find out what those other things are. Paul's going to delineate them very clearly. But right now, he is going to try to take them down a a pattern of thought process here to help them see truly how foolish they were. Look at verse 2. This only would I learn of you. I mean, I don't know about you, but my my mother actually never spoke like, like that, but... I can just hear her voice in part of that. Uh, She would put it more like this. How dumb can you be? I mean, my mom had a little plain way of putting things. I mean, she just looked at me and, you know, she said, 
Listen, son, there's only a hairline between a crackpot and a genius. Which side of the line are you on today? And, and how, how foolish can you be? This is what Paul's saying. When he, he says, this only, what I learned, he said, I only got one question for you. By the way, do you think Paul knew the answer to the question before he asked? Yeah, he did. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Question number one. He said, did you get saved by keeping the law? You see, that's where part of the problem was. That was one of the issues that they were, going, they were facing here in the church. This is why Paul took a little bit of time and, and gave the history of the gospel, especially that part about rebuking Peter, because he wanted the Galatian people to understand that this was not a manufactured Jewish religion. This was a personal testimony of the life and times of Jesus Christ. That eyewitness account. And Paul said, listen, I was a little late on the scene, but who taught Paul? He said, Jesus taught me. And I remember in Bible college, one of the professors was going through this passage. And one of the students raised his hand. And he said, I, why won't God do that for me? And in his loving and kind way, Dr. Dow looked down from the platform and just said, Because you're not the Apostle Paul. End of question. And moved on. Uh, He doesn't need to come down and teach you because you have Paul's teaching right here. And you have Peter's teaching right here. We have everything that they had. We don't need God to come down and teach us. We just need to pay attention to what we got. Amen. And so, he said, when you got saved, did you get saved by keeping the law? Did you get saved by becoming a Jew? Or did you get saved by hearing the Word of God and believing it enough to act upon it? See, that's how a person gets saved. For by grace... You want to know what grace is? Right here, you're holding grace in your hand. We don't deserve this book, but God gave it to us. What's faith? It's believing it enough to say, when it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many of you remember that day when you finally couldn't wait anymore? You just had to. You had to pray. You had to call upon God and let Him do all the work of saving you. You gave up. This is what Paul is saying. I want you to remember the day that you got saved. And then he goes on. Are ye so foolish? He said, how crazy can you be? Now that you're saved by faith, you're going to go back to your pre-saved days and use the works of your hand to improve on your salvation. What you did didn't save you. Faith saved you. What Jesus did saved you. Amen? He said, now, 
you're going to go back and you're going to try. Now, we have to be careful here. We have problems on both sides of the pendulum, as we might say. We have a group of people that, that say, well, you see, you can live and do anything you want as a Christian. No, the Bible doesn't say that. But on the other side are the people that say, if you don't live this way and you don't dress this way and you don't do this way, you're not saved. You know what? Both people are just as wrong. I get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If my faith works... If Jesus Christ really lives within, then he ought to change some stuff, shouldn't he? Some things ought to change. And Paul is saying here, you're listening to these people who are changing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're taking your attention off of it is finished. And they're giving you things to do in order to enhance your relationship with God. Now... Probably every one of us in this room have done this at one point or another. Dear Lord, I know I messed up. Fill in the blank. Whatever mess up you did. And usually our answer is, well, I'm going to pray a little extra tomorrow. Or I'm going to read my Bible a little more today. Or Lord, I'll be more faithful from now on. What are you doing? Exactly what the foolish Galatians did. You can't pay for your sin by your works. Jesus paid for them all on the cross. What I'm supposed to be is free from the guilt to serve the Savior out of love. And if your faith isn't producing that in your life, then you've got a problem with your faith. We don't do extra things to make up for the bad things that we did. Now, that is human nature. That's what the Jewish people were teaching. Said, now listen, if you really want to be a Christian, you know, you need to understand the Jewish scriptures and, and, and follow all of our traditions. Now, the thing that they didn't tell you was the Jewish traditions were actually as large, if not larger, than the Scriptures. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Let's get away from all this stuff and get back to the Word of God. Every answer starts at the cross for the life of a Christian. Amen? And it doesn't matter what's going on. In verse 4, he says, Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He says, All the things that you went through, read through the book of Acts. All the, the, the things that went on, how the Jewish people chased Paul and persecuted him from city to city through the region of Galatia. How that these people were persecuted and driven out of society and of their place because they simply wanted to believe Jesus Christ. He said, you've suffered those things. Are you going to throw it all away so that you can become a Jew and be happier or be better in your relationship with God than you already are? 
Then he goes to verse 5, the second question. He says, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he hit by works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Now, here's what Paul's doing. He's saying, now, your salvation, did you get saved by doing good works, by keeping the law, or did you get saved by faith? Okay, after you're saved, the people who are living the Christian life, the people who have evidence that God is working in their lives, are are they showing forth this evidence by keeping the law, or are they showing forth this evidence by the hearing of faith? And this is why you'll hear me say often what you did to get saved. What happened in your life to bring you to salvation is what ought to happen in your life as you live for God. Being born again was the beginning. Now, in order to live for God, how do we do that? Well, I got saved by giving up on trying to save myself, believing that Jesus did everything that was necessary for salvation, and simply believing in Him and Him alone. Can we say amen to that? Okay, i got to go to work tomorrow. How about I give up on my ideas and trying to make things myself? And just... Trust in Jesus and surrender to Him and ask Him to help me be obedient to His Word. You think that will help you at work tomorrow? I think it will. Even if you don't work at the church. Amen? Because it's getting rid of me and embracing the Lord Jesus Christ. How am I going to be conformed to the image of Christ? If I'm not close enough for him to bend me and shape me and mold me. Amen? And so Paul is charging them by saying, you got saved by faith. Your faith is good enough to get you over the flames of hell And over the immeasurable gulf, the unpassable gulf between hell and heaven, and get you into the very presence of God. But your faith isn't good enough to deal with the day-to-day situations. Doesn't that sound foolish? Amen? Amen? You see, your faith is not feeling. Your faith is not some miraculous understanding of things. Your faith is what you do. Now, how many of us would say, my hand will be the first one up, my faith could use a little work. I mean, there there could be some improvement in the things I do. I want, and here is how we judge that improvement, my friend. Better be in agreement with what's written down. 
remember a preacher in at one of the weeks there at Heartland made a just a one of those incredible statements. He was preaching to the students there. I think it was during graduation week, and he said, "Listen, students, as you're trying to discern God's will for your life, here's something to to uh, just keep in mind." He said, "Always move toward ministry." I said, "Man, I wish I was smart enough to put it that way, but I am smart enough to quote him. The only problem is I'm not smart enough to remember his name. I know he pastors in Michigan somewhere." And the church, they support Brother Newberger, and uh, he's a great guy, but I just can't remember his name right now. But your faith ought to move you closer to the Word of God. Amen? And it's not complicated. Your relationship with God ought to get more simple. Do you know how often we need to make it more simple? It's by me stopping to tr- stopping the effort to accomplish what I deem important so that I can do what Jesus said was important. Amen? That's what your faith ought to be doing. And every one of us fails. Now, there's two things that was doing this in the Galatian church. One was foolishness. The other was bewitchment or fascination with something else. I've watched people get fascinated with all kinds of things over the years. I've watched people get fascinated with service to the point where they're not serving anymore. Fascinated with prophecy to the point to where the rest of the Bible's not important to them anymore. I, I've seen people so fascinated with their King James Bible that they didn't care about all the other doctrines that are in the Bible. I had a, a, friend, uh, a preacher, he's, he's really not a friend anymore uh, on purpose, but, and this is one of the reasons. He said to me, if they believe the King James Bible's the Word of God, I don't care what else they believe about anything else. I said, okay, Steve, that's enough for me. I don't, I don't want that kind of friend. Now, I'll tell you what, I believe this book is the Word of God in the English language. Every word. I'm not ashamed to say that. But I'll tell you what, it's not the only thing. You can get mesmerized. You can get bewitched or fascinated with almost anything. Even good things. Understanding your Old Testament is a good thing, my friend. We highly recommend it. In fact, that's why we do our Sunday school time the way we do. Uh, the next point, we're not going to get to it tonight, is the example of Abraham. And if you're here in our Sunday school time, all, let's see, Abraham would have been about uh, uh, 12, 18 months ago, something like that. Uh, you would have been here for the stories of Abraham. And this passage makes so much sense when you know the stories. Now, if you'll stick around for another 16 months or so, we'll be back in, the, in, in Abraham. And we'll just keep going through the Bible till Jesus comes back. Why? 
Because my faith is in the Word of God. And that Word demands that I do some things. If my faith is going to deliver me from this present evil world, then I need to pay attention to what's written down. And when I don't, it's because I'm either being foolish, which we're all capable of from time to time, or we've allowed something else to grab our attention and pull it away from the Word of God. That's what Paul's telling the Galatians. He's doing everything but grabbing them by the shirt collars and shaking them. And the only reason he's not doing that is because he's long distance. That's why he's writing a letter. And so he's writing this letter trying to get them to wake up. Because you cannot improve on faith. You cannot add to the local church. You you cannot improve your Bible. Baptism is a very simple thing. Do what Jesus did. Find a Baptist preacher and get baptized. Amen? Uh, It's not a complicated thing. You can't... The Bible is so simple. And yet, if I were to ask us... And again, my hand would have to go up. How many of us did something this week that we wish we hadn't have done? And we knew, as we were doing it, that we shouldn't do it, but we just got a little careless. You know what that is? It's foolishness, isn't it? When we let something else grab our attention... You know, 90% of what's called witchcraft is simply that, isn't it? It's just a sleight of hand. It's something else to make you pay attention over here so they can get something done over there. That's why Paul used that word. And what we need to do is we need to be careful. We need to watch. Because if it happened to the Galatians... Guess what? It can happen right here. And I promise you this, if you live for Christ very long, it's going to happen because you have a human sin nature. And what we got to do is we got to wake up and get back to the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you And Lord, we just ask, we would surrender ourselves to you to point out our foolishness. Lord, our fascination with things other than the Word of God. Lord, we just ask that you would give us grace to take the warning that the Apostle Paul gave to the Galatian church. And heed it in our lives and in our church, all these centuries removed. Lord, help us to be simple and Bible. 
Let us do what we do because of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we...